Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. So we definitely want to keep that conversation going after the show. So, Pad, where does everybody head to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website, click on the social media accounts. They're all right there. Everything's updated. We do interact with everybody there. So we definitely want to keep that conversation going in between episodes. We love talking to everybody. Also, while you're there, check out the T Public Store link. A lot of stuff has been moving lately. I love hey. seeing this. So, you know, it's, it's not about selling. It's about just seeing the logo and the brand, you know, all over social media and growing and just it proves that people are into the show and that's that's the best feeling of all also the patreon link shout out to all our amazing patrons one tier two dollars a month they got a bonus episode and uh we got some other things in the works too stay tuned dot 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 also the directory which pad how many providers are we on a hundred and three thousand sounds about right to me i never question it pad is a statistician if i can say that yes Thank you. Uh, we also have the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. A lot of things are going on at nerdinitiative.com. So if you want to find out what we're doing over there, along with 3FN Podcast, as it involves wrestling, as it involves comics, as it involves something else I can't talk about right now, that's the place to go to. So you definitely head on over there. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, because there's always content dropping there. And we even have the players right there on the front page. The blog section, which we always have reviews coming up left and right, got a couple things in the works, too, that are non-comic related. So wait, wait to see what happens there. The music section, where you can find friends of the show, such as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Shout at the robots. They're playing out. It's amazing to see. Tom Jolu. What can you say about him? The man, the myth, the legend. And Floodlands, and the list goes on and on and on. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com and always on social media. Remember, use the hashtag ODPHPod. Well, it's a sports show. If you're familiar with the show, we do one segment to kick it off during the entire season of the NFL. And, Pad, what is that? Uh, that would be the uh, week four in the NFL. Yes, the recap of Locks and Leaps, which is going on very, very competitively, should I say, yeah. where you can find out everything going on there on Facebook. Uh, for the ODPH, we are going to be posting up the latest stat lines there, but we have to recap how everybody did. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so we're going to talk about one of my locks, which was the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Arizona Cardinals, which they did by the final score of 35-16. to 16. Uh, Brock Purdy, 20 of 21 for 283 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Joshua Dobbs for Arizona, 28 of 41 for 265 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interception. James Conner led Arizona in rushing with 11 carries, 52 yards, no touchdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey for San Francisco led uh, rushing because, duh. Yeah. Uh, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns. 
Uh, Brandon Ayuk led San Francisco in receiving with six catches, 148 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, I got to mention two uh, Christian McCaffrey, seven catches, 71 yards, receiving one touchdown. So he had four touchdowns on the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Arizona, Marquise Brown led them in receiving with seven catches, 96 yards, and no touchdowns. Uh, mark the tape right now. If San Francisco stays healthy, they're winning the Super Bowl easy. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I know that we said in the preview show, uh, that was my pick to win it all. Right. This is why. They're scary. They're absolutely scary on both sides of the ball. It is ridiculous what they're doing right now. Brock Purdy coming back from that serious arm injury, he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Mm-hmm. And Christian McCaffrey is arguably your MVP right now. I know that a certain quarterback in Buffalo is now allegedly, which I want, we will address that oh boy. when we get there, Oh boy, is the front runner for the MVP. I'm sorry, it's McCaffrey. Like mm-hmm. McCaffrey, if the season ends right now, he is the guy. Oh, yeah, right now. Because you think about what he did in this game, uh, three touchdowns in the first half. Mm-hmm. That is just unheard of. And say what you will about Arizona. We said on record, too, we thought they were the worst team in football. Yeah. Uh, somebody has definitely taken that crown. We'll talk about that as we go on to uh, recap Monday night this week. This team showed up and gave Arizona a little bit of problems, or I'm sorry, San Francisco a little bit of problems, but the 49ers got the ball rolling early. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like Arizona gave them a good punch early, but they just bounced back and just really imposed their will. Like yeah. I say, Brandon Ayuk had a, a monster day. I mean, mm-hmm. and you think about the big weapons on this team, he's often forgotten about. Yeah. But he put on a hell of a performance. Well, here. and especially coming back for an I'll look it up. I think he was coming back from not playing last week mm-hmm. because he missed the prior week with an injury. So, of course, coming back from an injury, you just have no idea what's going to happen or what state they're going to be in. Yeah, no, uh, the last game he played was in week two against the uh, Los Angeles Rams, so he did not play uh, uh, last week against the Giants. So, you know, a monster game from him. You know, and I agree with you. It was Arizona caught him a little bit by surprise, 10 points in the second quarter. You know, but from there, you know, San Francisco just goes, oh, right, okay, we gotta, we got we've got these guys figured out. They're not going to surprise us anymore when they locked down for the remainder of the game you know six points for the remainder of the second half uh meanwhile san francisco put up 14 in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. you know so dominate dominating win by them i mean they're putting up points like you wouldn't believe just because i mean you look at their first four games they obviously they're four and all they've beaten everybody but they beat pittsburgh 30 to 7 los angeles rams 30 to 23 the giants 30 to 12 and now the cardinals 35 to 16 yeah, they've they're the most points they've given up twenty three to the Rams, but they put up thirty points each game. Well, let's talk about this stat because I'm glad you brought that up about the scores. Uh-huh. The teams that they have blown out, uh, we'll just we'll call them blowouts. Yeah, much. yeah. Well, <laughs> week one's an absolute blowout. Week one is a blowout. Pittsburgh is not the team we thought they were going to be. Nope, they're a bad team. Nope. The Rams are the Rams. Divisional game. Divisional game. Divisional game. And the the Rams are. I would say they're better than people think, but they're not great. But right. they're, but they're a step up above Pittsburgh. Right. They're definitely a step up above the Giants. Right. Well, and, and the one you can compare them to, or the game you can compare it to, like we'll get to in a little while, is look at the Eagles and Commanders this yep. week. Where you look at the dominating performance the Eagles have put on the you know the last three weeks, and then you see what happens with this week. It's like, oh hey, yeah, is it surprising? Sure, but it's also divisional. Mm-hmm. But we all said Arizona was the worst team, and and yeah. the one thing that the 49ers are doing is. Is they're really 
imposing their will on the on the on the work uh, the worst teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. It's what good teams do or great teams, I should say. Yeah. Because the teams that are not on your level, you should be dominating. Uh huh. And that's exactly what they're doing. Like they're not taking anybody for granted. That's where I'm going with this point. That they're imposing their will. They're not letting up about the pressure they're putting on their opponents. Uh-huh. And that is something that, I mean, we see this in college all the time. But yeah. this is where we're seeing it on the pro level and how good the 49ers are doing because Arizona is not as bad as we thought, uh-huh. but they're still a bad team. Oh, no, they are. But to say that there was no looking ahead, taking a game off. Right. Like, this right. team is looking scary, and that is the 49ers. And that's why I said I think they're going to win outright. Right. I, I I would say Philadelphia might be the only team right now. Philly could hang with them. It would be real tough, though, just because, you know, San Francisco's defense is so locked down right now mm-hmm. that it's that it's almost unbeatable. I would say this. If, if the 49ers lock up home field advantage, nobody's going in. Whoa. Nobody's, nobody's going to beat them. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're not. No, like I say, Philly. You're, you're going to get punched in the teeth, and you're going to need to see the dentist on Monday. Yeah, Philly is Philly is great, but I don't see them going out west and beating them at no. home. Like I say, you need the 49ers to have something for a colossal, you know, meltdown. As rabid as those Niners fans are, well, yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying that as a negative, right? But just as rabid as those fans are, and as and as desperate as those fans are to see another title brought to that town, because it's been a minute since the 49ers have won the championship. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they made it. You know, what was it, 2012 against the. Uh, the uh, Baltimore uh, Ravens, mm-hmm. you know, but they, they they didn't win it, you know, so it's been a hot minute. So no, it'll be real scary if you got to go out there for a ch- uh, championship game. Well, the biggest question mark from last season was if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt in the NFC championship game, would Philly have gone? And is he that guy or was it just a flash in the pan? Yeah. Uh, sources say he's that guy. He is that guy. So like we say, if he is healthy and McCaffrey's healthy, mm-hmm. though, if those two are healthy, Nobody's touching this team. And I know some Cardinals fans are wondering, you know, oh, maybe well, maybe Kyler Murray coming back will help the team because I know he's av- uh, available to come off the P- uh, physically unable to perform list uh, because he was put on that list. He's not eligible to come off it for four weeks while we're now in the fifth week. Uh, but according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, uh, the article reads, quote, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is not expected to come off the physically unable to perform list when he becomes eligible Monday and is still considered weeks away from playing. League sources told ESPN, close quote. Listen, Kyler Murray's a great quarterback, and obviously, at least in my opinion, he's better than Josh Dobbs. Mm-hmm. But you look at just the way this team is constructed and just what they have, honestly, it ain't going to be much of an upgrade. No. It's a slight upgrade, you know, from Josh Dobbs, but it's not like, oh, my God, you're going from a six-win team to a whatever the equivalent would be. Exactly. No, I'm sorry. It, Arizona is a lost cause this it season. Helps. It helps. It helps, sure, but I'm sorry. They're a lost cause this season. Yeah. It, it, I don't like saying it in a negative sense because, I mean, they have very passionate fans. Right. But let's face it. This season, it was a rebuilding one. We already knew this was going to be a situation. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for them, uh, the road to get back to the playoffs is going to be a very, very long time as it stands yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, so looking at the team's schedules for the next couple of weeks here for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they are uh, staying at home this upcoming Sunday where they face the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, then the following week, they go on the road to play the Los Angeles Rams. They're back on the road for week seven to play the Seattle Seahawks. And then they for week eight uh, at the end of October, they are at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. Uh, and for the San Francisco 49ers, 
Boy, it ain't going to do numbers like the one on Sunday night did, but this one's going to get some ratings. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, they're on Sunday Night Football with, uh, at home against the Dallas Cowboys. So that's, that's, an, that's, that's, a, that's an old school matchup there. Yep. Uh, week after that, they're on the road playing the Cleveland Browns. Then week seven, they're on the road on Monday Night Football playing the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and then week eight, they're at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers are doing now in this little bit of a stretch. Like I said, not to say that their record is inflated by uh-huh. any stretch of the imagination, but to see how they do against the Dallases of the league, uh-huh. that's going to be the true test because Dallas is a great team. But if the 49ers want to solidify that they are the team to beat, they have to really put on a statement performance. Mm-hmm. With that. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, I chose them as my one of my leaps uh, this week. And boy, I don't know what I was thinking because the Cincinnati Bengals ended up losing to the Tennessee Titans by the final score of 27 to 3. Ryan Tannehill, 18 of 25 for 240 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Should also note Derrick Henry, one of one, two yards, one touchdown because it was an awesome jump throw mm-hmm. uh tim tebow would be proud yes he would uh then you have for cincinnati joe burrow 20 of 30 for 165 yards passing no touchdowns or interceptions joe mixon led cincinnati in rushing with 14 carries 67 yards and no touchdowns derrick henry led tennessee in rushing because duh uh 22 carries 122 yards one touchdown deandre hopkins led tennessee in receiving because Duh. Mm-hmm. Uh, four catches, 63 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and then Jamar Chase led Cincinnati in receiving with seven catches, 73 yards, and no touchdowns. Concerning thing for the Bengals, they're now one and three. Yeah. Interesting time in Cincinnati right now. Uh, I would also just like to point out that you, myself, and Rich all took the Bengals to win the AFC North this year. Well, here's the question mark that I have now after a month. Mm-hmm. What happened to Joe Burrow's offensive line? What the fuck? Oh, I was going to say, what the fuck is going on? Well, no, it, it comes down to this. Burrow is still recovering from his injury that he suffered in the preseason. Sure. You know, like I say, he has not had great mobility on his leg. He's powering through it. Listen, more power to him. Leg injuries for a quarterback are nasty. Right. But he's doing what he can do. Mm-hmm. It does not help that their offensive line was serviceable last year and now is worse this year in my (laughs) opinion and that is a situation where if joe burrow can't get rid of the ball it doesn't matter he has the best wide receiver core in the entire league he's still going to be in in trouble and when you think about the stat line you know of three sacks on him Mm -hmm. and how many hits he's taken which was nine Mm -hmm. like i say that's a that's a problem so when he is sitting there and getting no protection, that throws their entire offense off. And, uh-huh. and let's face it, what do we know Cincinnati for? High-powered offense. Yeah. We're not really De- – Decent run game, great receiving core. Yeah, but we're not saying they're, they have a lights-out defense. No. No disrespect to anybody that's on that team, but let's They're not face scaring it. me. Yeah, when you think about the top defenses in the league – they don't have one that really puts fear in you. Uh-huh. 
And this is now starting to boil over where everybody's getting very emotional about this. Because mm-hmm. I know Jamar Chase has been making the – he got caught yeah. in that post-game conference about saying, I'm always open, I'm always well, open. Well, so, yeah, uh, I'm reading from an article on SI.com, but it reads uh, partway into the article because I don't feel like reading the whole thing. Yeah. It says, quote, speaking to reporters following the 27-3 defeat, Chase exp- expressed his frustration with the offense's lack of production, declaring that he feels he's getting open on his routes. Quote, I'm open. I'm always fucking open, said Chase via Marshall uh, Kramsky of WCPO. Uh, excuse my profanity. Sorry. Close quote. Well, that right there, you can tell he's frustrated. Oh, yeah. That, no, they are because I pulled up Burrow's stats because admittedly, I'm not a Joe Burrow fanatic, so I don't know them off the top of my head. How dare you? I know. Uh, but for the season, he has 728 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's got a quarterback rating of 33.6. Yeah. He's struggling. Yeah. No, they are. But it goes back to if you are sitting there the entire time and you are literally going, okay, what can I do now? Uh huh. That's the problem. Like, he's doing everything he can do, but if that line is not doing anything for him, right? That's a problem. I mean, maybe they need to feature the running backs more. I mean, I'm just kind of pulling a straws here because, I mean, I'm looking at their high rushers for the first, the other three games they had because Mixon had 67 this game. Uh, the last game it was Mixon with 65, Mixon in week two with 59, same with Mixon in week one was mm-hmm. 56. Maybe maybe everyone's expecting and you're kind of like a one-trick pony in defense's eyes with like, hey, listen, we know you've got a run game. It ain't that scary. So we're just going to drop our coverage, go into cover two, go into cover three going to zone like whatever it is and you're gonna have to beat us over the top and right now it's not happening because joe burrow's not at 100 percent. so if you've got your star player not at 100 percent, if michael jordan is out there on a bad ankle mm. or his achilles is barking up or whatever what's phil jackson gonna do he's gonna feature michael jordan but michael jordan's not gonna get as many normal touches as he normally would right it's gonna go through somebody else on the team pick whoever you want on that offense the same can be said with this joe burrow your star athlete your your playmaker is not at 100%. So why are you making him go and try to do all this stuff when he clearly can't? No, I agree with you. That, that's the argument right here. And like I say, it's like for me, I look at them and I say their offensive line is what the biggest problem is right now. Mm-hmm. Burrow can't go as well as he can. But if you have a line that gives you time, he can still find receivers. I mean, heck, think about when they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. If his line held up just a second longer – he had Jamar Chase dead to rights in the end zone without any uh, stopping of Jalen yeah. Ramsey at, at any point. Like I said, he he can do a lot of magic when he has time. But if he doesn't have time, he can't do anything. So, and, well, and just real quick, you know, because I looked up stacks because that's the one statistic we can look at and go, all right, what's the O-line doing for him? Because they can throw it up on the game broadcast, but unless you at home can figure out a way to show me dropbacks and rush throws and, you know, whatever else they show up on TV, hashtag ODPHPod or email the show. Mm-hmm. But the ones I can see, he in, in four weeks, he's been sacked eight times, mm-hmm. which is concerning. Oh, absolutely. Like I say, that's that's the biggest problem. And then if his line's not protecting him, they can't get any holes open for Mixon to run through. Right. So their offense is now stagnant, and this is where the offensive coordinator needs to readjust and come up with some new schemes and do something quick on the fly. Because uh-huh. I'm sorry, at 1-3, it's crazy to think their season is done, but it's not that wild of a thought. Right. They are a very good team. However, if if Burrow is not right, it's not going to help. And like I say, 
Chase can be open all day. And uh-huh. like I say, he, he you know, he is a great route runner. He is somebody that like I say is is completely fooling defensive backs left and right. And he, right. it doesn't matter if he gets caught, he can still get open. Like that's the, that's how good he is. Uh-huh. But the problem is if he can't have time to get Burrow's attention to get the ball, it's all for nothing. And that's right. something that for Cincinnati they have to think about and they have to really put in perspective. Well, and it's a real short window for this, you know, Cinderella story or whatever you want to call it, because obviously Burrow's locked up. Burrow got his money. Mm. But for the receiving core, ooh, it's going to get real interesting here because Tyler Boyd is currently on the final year of his four-year $43 million contract. So he's a free agent after this season. T. Higgins is on the final year of his four-year $8.6 million contract. So he's a free agent after this season. Oh, by the way, Jamar Chase is in the third of his four-year contract for $30.8 million. Uh, So he'll be with them for next season. But technically after that, he's a free agent. So in my eyes, you're keeping at least two of them. They'll keep Jamar Chase because they're not not stupid. Chase isn't leaving. They're not stupid, but they'll they'll only be able to keep two of the three. And and automatically, they're keeping Jamar Chase, so you'll only be able to keep one more. So you're not going to have this three-headed wide receiver offense anymore so the window's closing it's closing and that's something that is alarming to fans and this is Mm -hmm. where cincinnati was poised to make a a run for years to come yeah unless they fix their line issues it's this is all for nothing and i'm I'm not saying they're done done but look unless i see something happen over the next couple games there's there's really no light at the end of the tunnel for them, and you can't sit there and tell me they can't fix the running the running back uh, issue on their own. Because to me, it's a it's an issue with the running back. And what do you, but but the thing it is 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 you can't tell me they can't go out and fix it because oh it's going to be too expensive. Oh, we can't fit it on our cap. Have you seen the deals that running backs, even great running backs like Ezekiel Elliott, like a Dalvin Cook, have been getting, and how long they went unsigned? You can't sit there and tell me oh we can't fit it on our cap. It's really not in our budget. Bullshit. Don't give me that shit. Well. Okay, let me just say this in comparison, though. Ezekiel Elliott is on the back end of the career. No, I, I understand, but I'm just saying in ge- that was the first name that came to okay, mind. Okay, no. But just in general, you can't tell me they can't go out and fit it in their budget to get a, a decent running back Well, with the, the way the market has gone. Well, well no, I, well, I will say this. Mixon is good if he can have time. Right. But, that, but that's the situation. Like, the only thing you could try doing, but granted, at this stage of the game, I don't, I don't think this would be a wise idea. Jonathan Taylor's back off the 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 what is it a pup list? The physically unable to perform list, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you if you wanted to try making a run, maybe question yeah, mark, it's but worth a call. It, you know, it's, at this stage, you got to do something you want to salvage the season. Otherwise, just you know, unfortunately, it's over. There's not a lot of given that NFC that AFC North. Yeah, there's there's just not. Uh, so uh, and hey, kudos to Tennessee. You're gonna win some games. Yeah, I mean, by default, I guess. I mean, just yeah. they have a better defense and a better offensive line. What can you say? Uh, looking at the two teams' schedules the next couple of weeks for the Cincinnati Bengals, they are on the road playing the Arizona Cardinals uh, this upcoming Sunday. Then they are at home playing the Seattle Seahawks the week after. They've got a very early bye uh, in week seven coming up. Uh, and then week eight, they're on the road playing the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, then for the Tennessee Titans this upcoming Sunday, they're on the road playing the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, then uh, week six, technically a home game techni- against uh, Baltimore, but it is one of the overseas games. So asterisk that home game. Uh, then they're on a bye week in week seven because, hey, they're flying back from overseas. Uh, and then week eight, they're back at home in Tennessee playing the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm. Well, Cincinnati's schedule is going to be real telling. I think mm-hmm. if, if, if they don't win the next two outright, 
or at least show that they can put on a great performance. I mean, uh-huh. the season's done. What, yeah. what else can you say about that? Yep. So let's go to one of my locks. And, I mean, I think at this stage we, we have to cover the Kansas City Chiefs each week. I mean, as a media outlet, it's now a thing. She's putting us on the map. Yes, she is. So shout out to Taylor Swift. Uh, obviously, we are just kidding about that. But, yeah. you know, the thing is Kansas City is going to get a lot of attention uh, because of what they do on the field, let alone who's at the game, even though it's very, very star-studded. But the question marks coming out of this game really were telling. Uh-huh. Because I'm not saying they overlooked the Jets. Mm-hmm. Or I might be saying Kansas City might not be as good as we all think. Yeah. I also got to mention, just because this stat blew my mind, uh, the stats came out uh, for the game, or the ratings came out for the game on Sunday, and almost 27 million people watched this game. 27? 27, yeah. According to NBCNews.com, the article reads, quote, an average of nearly 27 million people tuned into the Kansas City Chiefs-New York Jets game, uh, of course, because you know who is there, uh, making it the most watched Sunday TV show since the Super Bowl, according to NBC Sports. You know, but even wilder. The audience going on. The audience peaked at 29.2 million viewers at about 9:30 p.m. Uh, Eastern in the second quarter of the game, according to a network spokesperson on Tuesday. Good God! No, like I said, you know what would even be wilder? Yeah. If Rodgers was playing. Oh my God! That would have eclipsed probably about 40. Yeah, like I say, it would have been high. It would have been high 30s. Yeah. But yeah. there was a game to be had though at. Uh, the MetLife Stadium. Mm-hmm. So let's break it down. Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs beat the New York Jets by the final score of 23-20. to 20. Patrick Mahomes, 18 of 30, 203 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Zach Wilson, 28 of 39 for 245 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Brees Hall led the Jets in rushing with six catches, or six carries, excuse me, 56 yards, no touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheo uh, led Kansas City in rushing with 20 carries, 115 yards passing, one touchdown. Uh, Travis Kelsey led Kansas City in receiving because, duh, uh, six catches, 60 yards, no touchdowns. And then Alan Lazard led the Jets in receiving with three catches, 61 yards, and just one touchdown. The fact the Jets were even in this Mm -hmm. is a reflection of either that defense, which we've said the entire year was great, Mm -hmm. or the Chiefs might not be as good as we think. I think they got caught looking a little bit. Maybe a little bit, because obviously they are now involved in a very big media... Circus. Yeah, to put it mildly, thank you. And it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But to have that pressure on Sunday night, and especially for the fact that they were up 20-12 to at halftime. Yeah. The fact that they didn't come out the third quarter and really put on a statement, much like we talked about with the 49ers in um, Arizona. Right. When you're facing a team that let's and let's be honest, the Jets are spiraling. They're yeah, they are. They're not good. You, you, I mean, obviously, when Aaron Rodgers unfortunately went down for the season, Zach Wilson is not the guy. No, albeit though, he played like it in this one. Yeah, he really wanted to try, you know, pulling something off, and and you know, kudos to him for that, because obviously he kept him in this game as long as they could. I mm-hmm. know that, you know, things could have gone differently if. Sauce Gardner's uh, call did not happen there yeah. late in the game where they had an interception. Yeah. So, yeah. But, again, it goes back to, like we say with the UFC, don't leave it in the ref's hands. Right. That's the only thing. Like I say, it, it, it was a, it's a questionable call, but a situation that 
you shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with because yep. the Chiefs were yep. overlooking you. Or like I say, I think teams are starting to pick up. If you can contain Travis Kelsey, uh-huh. you can really handle the rest of the offense. Yeah, I mean, because I'm looking at the rest of the receiving. Isaiah Pacheo, three catches, uh, 43 yards, no touchdowns. Noah Gray, one catch, 34 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Rasheed Rice, three catches, 32 yards, no touchdowns. Kadarius Toney, two catches, 22 yards, no touchdowns. So, I mean, and then you've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, one catch, six yards. Justin Watson, one catch, five yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one catch, one yard. So, I mean, I mean, you just look at it. Okay, you got six catches from Kelsey, three, four, seven, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay, so literally half of the pass attempts or the, half of the catches that were completed uh went to uh kelsey yeah like i said i think teams are are figuring that out now Mm -hmm. and that's something for kansas city it is a little bit alarming right that if you take kelsey out of the equation sorry it's 18 so it's almost half right but if you take him out of the equation though yeah who on that wide receiver course scares you i mean it's kind of the same boat the patriots were in when Gronkowski was there, it was Gronkowski, and it was Edelman and Amendola. And, like, it was a decent receiver core, but you knew the fucking ball was going to Gronkowski almost mm-hmm. every other time. So that's why you double and triple team Gronkowski, and you had guys like Edelman and all these other guys trying to beat you over the middle and, and dink and dunk because the receiver core wasn't that great. I mean, it's it's the same boat they're in, and it's the same tactic that was used against uh, Brady. Now, admittedly, they're not going down and going low at Travis Kelsey nearly as much as they did as Gronkowski. Yeah. But – the blueprint is still the same. No, I agree with you. The blueprint is, but I think where the Patriots were a little better off with their double threat of tight end. Yeah. You don't have that here at Kansas City. No, and I you think really that, don't. And I think that, yeah, even though Pacheo had over 100 yards rushing, he's still not a take, you know. He a, doesn't strike me as like a dual threat, like runner or receiver. Yeah, like I say, he doesn't take over games. No. Like that's the one situation with him. Like he's is he a good running back? Yes, absolutely. But I mean Val uh, Valdez Scalings was good when he was in Green Bay, but like he never struck me as an I need to get that guy on my fantasy team. I if I'm doing a uh, draft for franchise mode on Madden, I need that guy. Like he's never struck me as that guy. No. I mean Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I've always thought of more in, in the special teams aspect of things. You know, and Kadarius Tony, well, John fans how do you feel about Kadarius Tony yeah. uh, enough said and, and the rest of the guys just don't strike me as guys that like if I'm doing a franchise mode draft in Madden oh I need to go out and get that guy like if they're available and I need to fill a fucking injury spot sure sure but you know for a week but or, or, or in fantasy football if I if I'm uh, got a star player on a buy and the guy I drafted as his backup is down with injury Maybe if the matchup is right, mm-hmm. am I going out of my way late in the draft to get to get Justin Watson? Sorry, no, no, and that's the situation. I think that moving forward, I want to see how Kansas City rebounds from this mm-hmm. because this was a little more telling than not. And I think the story here is the Jets' defense is better than their record is, mm-hmm. and this was giving Mahomes problems. Oh, the Jets' defense has always been good, right under Salah, right. But I'm saying, especially in this case, there's a blueprint out there now. If somebody's smart, they'll go take advantage of that moving forward right? and really see what this team is made of. Because I think with Kansas City, I'm not saying that overrated is the word, but I want to say... This should have been closer, not not an identical score, but it should have been closer to what we saw with uh, the Dolphins last week. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying the Chiefs should have put up 70, but it should have been a bigger margin of victory than three. It should, yeah. It should absolutely not be three. And and uh, for the Jets, 
I mean, Zach Wilson played probably the best pro game I've seen him play. Broken clocks, right? Twice a day. Yeah. And Brees Hall got the ball, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook, though, five rushes, uh, 16, 16 yards. yards. There might have been a reason maybe that uh, – Starting to think that. Yeah, that yeah. Minnesota knew something, in my opinion. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But for the Jets, I mean, maybe the bright spot is maybe Zach Wilson is going to give you something. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to say the nicest things possible. Yeah. Uh, but being one in three, especially in the division you're in, that is a very tough hill to uh, climb to the top of for the yeah, playoffs. And so. especially with their uh, schedule coming up. Oh, boy. Let's talk about it. Uh, so this upcoming Sunday, they're on the road playing the Denver Broncos. Let's ride. Uh, after that, they're at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. Uh, week seven, they're on a bye, so super early bye for those guys. Uh, and then week eight, they come back on the quote-unquote on the road. Not really, though. Uh, they're playing the New York Giants. And just for the sake of, like, ooh, that could be interesting. Uh, after that, they're playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, interesting uh, schedule moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, this upcoming Sunday, they're playing the Minnesota Vikings on the road. After that, they're at home against the Denver Broncos. Uh, then the week seven, they're at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then week eight, they're on the road playing the Denver Broncos. Chargers might be one of the highest scoring games of NFL history. Uh, Just no, saying. No, I think that's going to come the week after because the week after over overseas, uh, the Chiefs are playing Miami. Well, that yeah, that's going to be another one too. I uh, mean, if you're if you're if you're a betting man or a woman uh, on the Kansas City Miami game, uh, whatever it is, I might take the over. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. That's a safe. That's a safe pick right there. But I think what's going to be interesting now is with Minnesota, and especially um, I've been catching some uh, interesting press clippings, so to speak. Okay. Kansas City had better come out and really implement their will here. Yeah. If they don't beat Minnesota by 14 or more, yeah, they're in trouble. I'm uh, sorry. I'd I'm, be concerned. I'm going to put it out there. They, they've been tra- Minnesota's uh, allegedly been doing some trash talk. Ooh. If they don't get you fired up a little bit. Bullet board material. Yeah. This is the time to really show if you're the real deer of your pretenders. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be all made up for TV, you know, like a fairy tale, if you will. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I need to see more out of Kansas City because from what I've seen over the past couple weeks, yeah, the record's three and one. Mm-hmm. It might be good enough to get to the playoffs, but I'm not. I don't see him ranking up there with the higher teams in the AFC. I'm just putting it out there. Could be. And then let's get into my <laughs> leap, mm-hmm. which I'll be. I'll be honest. The leaps this week, they were not good. They were not good. No. So if anybody's new to the show, because we always take the locks are the favorites, the leaps are the ones that are underdogs. This week was not a great one by any stretch no. of the imagination, but no. I, I, I thought that maybe, just maybe, Baker Mayfield might be the comeback player of the year. Turning it back to his Oklahoma days. Yeah, could he do something against the Saints? It's division game. I usually stay away from this, but here we are. And yeah. Thank you, Baker. Yeah, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints by the final score of 26-9. to uh, Baker Mayfield, 25 of 32, 246 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Derek Carr uh, for New Orleans, 23 of 37, 127 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Alvin Kamara making his uh, season debut after being suspended the first three games of the season. Uh, 11 carries, 51 yards, no touchdowns. And then Rashad White led Tampa Bay in r- rushing with 15 carries, 56 yards, no touchdowns. Chris Godwin led Tampa Bay in receiving with eight catches, 114 yards passing, no touchdowns. Uh, and Michael Thomas led New Orleans in receiving with four catches, 53 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, 
there doesn't need to be a lot to be said about this game, to be honest with you. Uh, that's a lot to be. So to be or not to be, that is the question about Tampa Bay. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? Well, your schedule thus far has been favorable mm-hmm. to you being overhyped, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baker has looked great, but it's also a situation of who have you played. Right. And in this situation with the Saints, the Saints are not good. Derek Carr is coming off you know, a little bit of an injury. Right. And Baker did what is a, is a smart thing. He got out to a, a quick start in the second quarter and never looked back. And the Saints, I'm not saying that Derek Carr is done, but if you're not getting more than 150 yards out of him in the air, especially you do have a talented wide receiver core, um, there there might be a little bit of an issue. But the, especially with your leading reception mm-hmm. um, stat leader here for this game is Kamara with 13. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that means you're throwing a lot of screen passes. Yeah. So I would say about that. But, I mean, looking at their schedule, Pat, about who they faced – would you say Tampa Bay is a contender or a pretender? Uh, at this point, to be determined because I was looking up those stat lines of who they've beaten. So they've beaten the Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. And and they're striking me as the Denver Broncos from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where Denver Broncos are 3-0. Let's ride. Oh, my God. Well, this is before let's ride. They're, oh, my God. The Denver Broncos are the next big thing. They're going to contend with the Chiefs. They're going to give them their money's worth. They're going to take it to them in the 12th round like they're facing Mike Tyson. And then everyone went, oh, wait, the teams they're facing are going like a combined 0 and 9. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Uh, I looked I looked at the records, uh, totaled them together of those three teams they've beaten. Uh, they're a combined record of like 3 and 9. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right now, hard to say, you know, just because, I mean, listen, you look at it if you don't believe me. Uh, Minnesota, uh, currently 1 and 3. Uh, they beat the Chicago Bears, who are 0 and 4. Yeah, and then they beat the New Orleans Saints, who are uh, 2 and 2. Mm-hmm. So out, out of the three teams they've beaten, nobody's above 500. So am I ready to sit there and go? They're they're the real deal. Nah, no. Nah. Are they pretenders? Too early to say, just because they've only played one good team, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was a close one. It was well for a while. It was 25 to 11. So. I mean, they've, they've got some interesting matchups the next couple of weeks. You ask me again in another month, and I might have a better answer. Right now, it's just too early. No, I, I agree. Like I say, it's it's too early, but they're beating lesser teams. They're beating who they should. Yeah. Which, I mean, well, technically, on paper, they match up very evenly against the teams they beat. Right. Just Baker's playing over his level right now, which right, is but, good. But. Right, but you look at the receiving core. I mean, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like you and I could look like elite Pro Bowl quarterbacks with those two. Oh, they make up a lot of ground for him. There's no question about that. But you even take a look in comparison, too, for New Orleans receiving core. <laughs> it's Michael Thomas and then a steep drop-off. You know, I say, uh, Olive there, he's supposed to be the next coming. Yeah. Uh, very bad stat line for him. I'll say Alvin Kamara was your leading catcher for those Saints. He had 13 catches, exactly. 33 yards. He was targeted 14 times. Yeah, it was a lot of screen passes. Yeah. So, like I say, New Orleans has a lot of work to do. Tampa Bay, if they keep doing this, I mean, somebody's got to win that division. Well, the thing I think you got to ask is the whole New Orleans thing is with Derek Carr and his AC joint. 
Yeah. So, yeah, you, you never know. Uh, but looking at the schedules for these teams uh, the next couple of weeks for the New Orleans Saints, they're on the road playing the New England Patriots this upcoming Sunday. Week after that, they're back on the road again playing the Houston Texans. Then they're back at home week seven playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, that one on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and then week eight, they're on the road playing the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, super fucking early bye week. They're off this upcoming Sunday. Uh, the week six, they come back at home against the Detroit Lions. Week seven, they are uh, at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Week eight, they are uh, on the road playing the Buffalo Bills. That one on Thursday night football. Ooh. Well, you know I'll be talking about that game. Interesting schedule for both teams moving forward. But like we say, somebody's got to win the NFC South. So mm-hmm. why not? why not Tampa Bay? Yeah. All right, Pat, before we get out of the NFL talk, let's take a lap around the league. Yeah, so the Thursday game was the Detroit Lions beating the Green Bay Packers by the final score of 34-20. to Detroit's the real deal. Yeah, they are. Even with their defense banged up, they still put on a hell of a performance. David Montgomery, uh, he was definitely fired up in this one. So what can you say? The the Lions are the real deal, folks. Packers, uh, still a team that's growing under the Jordan Love era, so they need a little more than love. And I, for, I forget what the stat is. Uh, but Jared Goff has got the, this absurd stat line when it comes to Thursday night football game. Or Thursday night football, like the dude's undefeated on Thursday night football. So yikes! Uh, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars overseas in uh, Atlanta, uh, in London, I should say, uh, defeating the uh, Atlanta Falcons by a final score of twenty-three to seven. Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta needed more than Toy Story for this game. That Toy Story cast was admittedly kind of cool. It was. I, I gotta admit, it, it definitely was fun, but. You know, Jacksonville is a better team. No question about that. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons are who the Falcons are, and that's rebuilding. Yeah. Uh, so then you had the Denver Broncos beat the Chicago Bears to the chagrin of Seth Rollins and many Chicago fans by the final score of 31-28. to 28. You know. Bears fans, I'm so sorry. Where, like, where do we even begin with this? I'm just. I, well, I mean, I feel I feel for Bears fans just because you want to think Justin Fields is that dude. And, you know, you you look at his stats and I pulled up the wrong thing. Give me two seconds. Uh, you look at you look at Justin Fields stats and you look at the stats and you go, maybe he's finally emerging. Maybe he's finally showing us he's the guy. 28 to 35, 335 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. And they laid a fucking goose egg the second half. I, I say goose egg. They put up one touchdown. That was the third quarter compared to the 24 that Denver put up. The Broncos came back from 21. They put up 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So in the worst game of the week, uh-huh. as this was, uh, at least Chicago can take some solace that if the season ended right now, they'd have the first two picks in the draft. Uh-huh. That's it. I'm sorry. There's nothing else nice to say. I I would love to see Justin Fields do better, but – he can only do so much. He's a one-man team. Yeah. And for the Broncos, um, well, at least uh, you didn't let the Bears drop fifty on you. I don't yeah. like. I don't know. I yeah. don't even know where to go with that. Yeah. So just we'll go on the next game. Uh, was the Baltimore Ravens defeating the Cleveland Browns twenty-eight to three? Well, we do know who the cream of the crop is uh, in the NFC or the AFC North. Yeah, and that's Baltimore Ravens. No Looks question about real this. Good. You know, uh, the Browns faltered a lot in this game. Yeah. Uh, well, was, not having Deshaun Watson doesn't help. Right. 
and I definitely heard, obviously, Nick Chubb, they're still trying to figure out who's going to pick up the workload there. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely was not in their favor. And, and Lamar Jackson did, did what Lamar Jackson does best. <laughs> Four touchdowns total. Two passing, two rushing. Yeah, so like I say, Lamar is doing Lamar things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the Ravens are looking scary under the radar. Yes, they are. Uh, you had the St. Louis Rams. The L.A. Rams defeat the Indianapolis Colts 29-23 to in overtime. Surprised that this went to overtime, to be honest with you. Yeah, I am too. But I think it's completely fine to say right now, Puka Nakua Mm -hmm. is going to be in some consideration for that MVP talk. He's he's in the conversation. I'm saying he's he's not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. A rookie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to get rookie of the year, no question of that. Probably, yeah. I'm saying with the stat line he's been putting up right now, he has been the much-needed weapon that they need mm-hmm. for Matthew Stafford to actually put some points on the board with this team without Cooper Cup. Yeah. He's been great. He's definitely kept him in games. Like yeah. I say, he might not get MVP, but he needs to be in that discussion, especially – for being a fifth-round draft pick? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, congratulations. I mean, the Rams, for me, are kind of like where the L.A. Chargers are. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose some games. Are they going to be definitive wins? No. Are they going to be definitive losses? No. They're going to show up. They're going to play. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, one thing to keep your eye out on, though, is uh, Matthew Stafford being injured or suffering an injury during the game on Sunday. Uh, listed as questionable as we currently record uh, with, co- quote, Coach Sean McVay said Monday that Stafford suffered a hip contusion during Sunday's overtime win at Indianapolis. But the quarterback is expected to play this coming Sunday against the Eagles. Uh, Adam Grossbard of the Orange County Register reports. Hmm. So, something to keep an eye on. No, I definitely keep an eye on that moving forward. Yeah. Uh, then you had the Philadelphia Eagles defeat the Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, 34 to 31 in overtime. You know, insane game. Mm-hmm. Abs- yeah. Absolutely insane. The Commanders had chances. They did not cash in. Yes. And then it just seemed like they fell apart the minute it went to overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, they can only do so much. Like I say, Philly is great. Second best team in the NF- or NFC, no question about that. And I, like I say, I'm sorry, the 49ers, in comparison, are just little heads and shoulder above them. Yeah, not by much. Like yeah. I say, it's 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 not huge. Yeah. Like maybe bad analogy there. They're like they're like a good foot ahead of them. Sure, I should say not they're a half ahead. step ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say compared to the rest of the league, though, Philly is a head and shoulders above oh. pretty much everybody else. Yeah, they are. But the fact the Commanders, it's division, they showed up for this. Yeah. Like I say, they look yeah. good. Uh, then you had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Carolina Panthers 21-13. to And arguably the second worst game of the league. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins trying real hard to lose that game. Uh, 99-yard pick six. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. You know, Minnesota is not good, and the fact that they've been uh, kind of making comments going into the Kansas City game, that's not a good look for them. I'm just going to put it out there right now. Uh, this could be the swan song for Kirk Cousins this week. Uh-huh. Just got a feeling if I'm the Jets, I'm at least calling to inquire. Uh, we'll see what happens there. In case but... you're curious, Justin Jefferson, third year of a four-year deal. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, he's doing everything he can, but, I mean, it's it's just not enough. So, with Minnesota, have to see what happens moving forward. And, yeah. you know, Carolina, well, hey, thanks for showing up. Uh, the Houston Texans beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-6. to Steelers are not a good team. No. Absolutely not. Uh, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy because I thought the Steelers would be playing a little bit better. Uh, Pickett definitely did not look great in this game. I know Trubisky was in for a little bit, but he – I hate saying he's struggling. Uh-huh. Struggling bad. And then that defense, 
I mean, if TJ Watt's not involved, they need somebody to step up and really make some plays. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that they are really, really hurting on. So in to look forward to in the future, like I don't even know, like say it's, it's kind of hard to segue where, where they can go and, and try fixing things. Right. But I mean, other than Najee Harris, but I mean, he's doing everything he can. Yeah. They, they need another playmaker to, to jump up and do something. Yeah. I think they just need another quarterback because the, Pick it, ain't it? Yeah. Uh, Got to give some kudos, though, to CJ Stroud because, holy fuck, who saw this coming? Great game for him. Great game for him. Can't take credit for this. I, uh, this little stat line, I saw this online, so I pulled from an article on SI.com. Uh, where partway through the article, it reads, quote, following Houston's win over the Steelers on Sunday, Stroud sits at 1,212 yards passing uh, and six touchdown passes with no interceptions. Uh, he's averaging 303 yards through the air per contest. So at this rate, he'd finish the regular season with 5,151 passing yards. Andrew Luck currently holds the rookie passing record set in 2012 at 4,374. Hmm. Close quote. So he is currently on pace to break the rookie passing record, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Yeah, I can't even fathom that. That's wild. That's insane. Uh, then you had the Los Angeles Chargers defeat the Las Vegas Raiders 24-17. to Well, the Raiders got a lot of stuff going on with them. Yeah. A uh, lot of uh, distractions off field. Yeah. That uh, we're not going to get into here. But uh, overall, like I say, Aiden O'Connell was at the quarterback helm here mm-hmm. and did what he could. And, I mean, the fact they only lost by seven, that that is a big win against the Chargers' division rival. And with the Chargers, like I said, flip a coin, what team shows up? Yeah, That's, you're not wrong. And you know what? The, the one that plays very, very well did show up. And we'll have to see what happens then moving forward. Like I said, they're 2-2, two and two, and the Chargers, I mean, just like I say, it's a week-by-week week, uh, diagnosis yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, then you had the uh, Monday night game where the Seattle Seahawks beat the New York Giants 24-3. to Giants' worst team in football. Oh, my God. Yeah, they are. They're bad. Uh, they're New York football in general is very bad. Right, but at least the Jets can at least justify it. Well, can you? Well, you think about it. If Aaron Rodgers is there, different story. Yeah. Completely different story. The Giants knew what they had going in with this, and you could say, well, Saquon was out. But I don't think Saquon would have factored in that much in this game, to be honest with you. Uh Uh-huh. We said Seattle was a very, very slept-on team. Uh Uh-huh. That ever thought Geno Smith was a you know uh, you know lightning in a bottle so to speak and it was gonna you know disappear when the sun came out and the storm went away so to speak. Right. But he's proven that the storm is real and like I say he's he's playing very very well. I mean thirteen for twenty is not that crazy of a stat line. Uh huh. But when Kenneth Walker the third is running for seventy nine yards and a touchdown, you don't need to throw the ball a lot. Right. And he was definitely relying on his defense to bail him out. And Daniel Jones, I'm sorry. We've said this many times. He's not that dude. He's not that guy. Uh-huh. And I think that this was prime example. You saw that he was uh, very frustrated. Uh, Brian Debel, the head coach, was very frustrated with him, especially after the pick six uh-huh. that happened. So yeah. there's a lot of problems with the Giants right now. And yeah. They, and I, they got a lot of issues. The honeymoon phase is over. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm not saying Dabble's on the hot seat by any means. Uh, the burner's getting a little warm, though. But I know well, I, a, a little crispy. I think what they need to do is for the rest of the season, because being one and three, I, I'm sorry, they're done. The, yeah. Unless Daniel Jones pulls some magic out of somewhere, they're Should, done. With the way, with the way that uh, 
division is and just who they're playing this year. There's no way they can. Yeah, between Philly and Dallas alone. Philly, Dallas, they're playing the AFC East, so they got to go through Buffalo still. Mm -hmm. They got to go through Miami still. There's just no way. No, there's no way. I mean, their season's lost. They need to come up with a game plan moving forward. Ooh, I just saw who their backup is. Who's that? Tyrod. Well, Tyrod came in for like a quick second, if I'm not mistaken, during the game. But, I mean, Tyrod is not the Tyrod of old. Yeah, that's true. And I think that what they need to do, and Giants fans, hit us up on that hashtag. I, I welcome the conversation. You need to get another quarterback. I'm not saying go get Kirk Cousins. Right. But you need to go get somebody. And you need to start rebuilding this team. And and I'm, I'm sorry, he's not the guy with Saquon. I mean, obviously he's out, but I mean contracts are always going to be an issue there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have some work to do in this off season. And like I said, I'm already saying off season because they're done. Uh, and the reason I brought up, I had to look up some stats here quickly. The reason I say New York football is terrible as well, because, hey, statistically it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are currently two teams in the NFL that have not run an offensive play with a lead this season. The New York Jets, they have led for 105 seconds yep. this season. They have not run an offensive play. The New York Giants have led for 19 seconds and have not run an offensive play. Oh, by the way, if that's not bad enough, sorry, Giants fans, I'm going to rub the salt in the wound a little bit more, uh, because this, according to ESPN Stats and Info, quote, the Giants are the only team to play three primetime games so far this season. They're 0-3 and have been outscored 94-15 to in those three games. Well, that's so in case you're not great at math, it's a differential of 79. Mm-hmm. That is the worst point differential by any team in a span of three games, three primetime games within a single season since the 1970 merger. That's bad. Uh-huh. That's real bad. That is terrible. Or N- to quote Charles Barkley, terrible. Well, you know what? They they need a lot of work, and I'm sorry, the, the honeymoon phase is over, so Dabble and company need to get something going by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Show some kind of sign of promise, because mm-hmm. if there's nothing there, it could be a very, very short season next year. And that, I'm sorry, we're already saying they're already done. Uh huh. Forgot about them. It's a wrap. So let's talk about our team's pad. What the hell are you talking about? My team didn't play on Sunday. Oh, no, no, no. Legitimately, they didn't show up on Sunday because they lost by the final score of 38 to 3. Listen, great Cowboys fans, I will give you credit. Great game. Uh, I wasn't sure how this was going to go with uh, Trayvon Diggs not being at the game. You know, I figured Micah Parsons would wreak havoc all over our backfield with with blitzes and everything else, but obviously he got taken out a little bit into the game. You know, hopefully he's okay. Nothing too lasting or major. You know, but awful game you know my my eight or nine month old niece can pass block better than the patriots offensive line and she can crawl she can't even walk yet mm-hmm. you know the patriots offensive line is terrible you know the running backs are doing everything they can but when you don't have receivers getting the time or the spacing they need it becomes kind of obvious what you're going to do i mean Ramondre stevenson 30 yards ezekiel elliott 16 yards i mean it became kind of obvious and then you just had the Awful, abysmal performance for Mac. 150 yards passing, two interceptions, no touchdowns. It's looking more and more like he ain't that guy. I'm not ready to sit here and go and write him off for dead, but I'm losing faith very quickly, you know. And it's what's also not helping is losing uh, 
probably losing Christian Gonzalez, the first round draft pick we had from Oregon. Uh, I think it was Oregon this year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he, he got injured during the game, so it's looking like he might be done for the year. But who is almost certainly done for the year is Matthew Judon, who needs bicep surgery. Yeah, uh, and he, he's looking to find a way to come back, but it's bicep surgery, and it's likely he's done for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'm not saying the season's a wash, but it ain't looking too good right now. No, it's not. Uh, Mac, I agree with you. I, in my opinion, he's not the guy. And, and to all of those Bailey Zap fanatics out there, like, oh, we got Zap. It's fine. We can bring him in. There's a reason they cut him in, in training camp. Yeah. If, if they really thought he was the guy or could be the guy, they wouldn't have cut him. Well, that's exactly the point. Just I, saying. I'm sorry. He's not, the, he's not the guy. I mean, New England does not have the guy at quarterback. No. And, I mean, granted. If anybody's saying, well, you need somebody to fill Tom Brady's shoes, good luck. Yeah, really. Sorry, it's not going to happen. You're going to have somebody else running that offense. That's a situation that they need to start looking at a quarterback. Uh-huh. I don't know I don't know who you, you try making a they, play for. They need a quarterback. Running back, you're fine. I mean, Ramondre's good. Ezekiel, as long as he's there, he'll be fine. But I would say you need to start looking for a backup before too long here because mm-hmm. Ezekiel ain't got – Ezekiel's got more years behind him than he does ahead of him. And, and at receiving outside of Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne, who's fine – they need a fucking shit ton at, at receiving court because Hunter Henry is a good uh, receiver when he when they have him in there. Why the fuck they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster this season, I have no fucking clue because they're not using him. Yeah. Four games, he's got 11 catches, 80 yards, and no touchdowns. Now, hey, that's an average of 7.3 yards per catch, but when you're catching fucking 11 balls in four games, not exactly stat line I'd like to see, so you're wasting all this money on him. I don't know what the disconnect is, mm-hmm. but just the, everything needs work with this. And and now with the, the loss of Judon, who was an absolute monster on that defense defense and Christian Gonzalez who was show was honestly my early pick for defense rookie defensive player of the year you know it, it's it's just bad all around it's bad all around uh Patriots have a lot of work to do and and for anybody who's thinking I'm going to jump off this this ship and jump onto some other <laughs> bandwagon uh no yeah no pad pad will be with him to the I've been, end I've been here for the good I'm here for the bad yeah no there's no question about that no, I mean for Dallas, they they did what. Yeah, hey, kudos to a, them. A good team does, and that's beat them. I mean, even yeah. even if Ezekiel had known the playbook and all that, they still they showed up and they really had a great game, and that's something against a Belichick defense. Dak should take you know a very very uh, celebratory lap for yeah. that. Like I say, he should be very happy. He looked good against them. Yeah, and that defense, even though uh, Diggs is out, they still look great. So yeah, they did a lot of good wins for Dallas with that one, and the Patriots got a lot of work to do. Sorry, it's just it is no, what it is. It is. But last but not least, a supermassive win, if you will. Uh And if you know, you know. (laughs) Those Buffalo Bills defeated the Miami Dolphins Uh in very, very profound fashion. Convincing, I would say. Oh, convincing. And like I say. There's a lot to discuss with this, Pat, so let's get into it. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 48-20. to Josh Allen led Buffalo in passing, uh, obviously, uh, with 21-25, 320 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 25-35 of 35 for 282 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Devon uh, Akane uh, led Miami in rushing with eight carries, 101 yards. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, two touchdowns. Latavius Murray led Buffalo in rushing with four carries, 32 yards, no touchdowns. Stefan Diggs led Buffalo in receiving because no shit, Sherlock. Uh, six catches, 120 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, and Tyreek Hill led Miami in receiving because, duh, uh, three catches, 58 yards, and no touchdowns. 
So the tale of this game is very simple, and that's the Bills' defense showed up and really applied pressure. Uh, they opened up a proverbial can on them. Mm-hmm. When you can get four sacks on Tua, mm-hmm. pressure him constantly, mm-hmm. that Miami offense really slowed down. So in comparison with what we talked about with Joe Burrow, when your offensive line is not giving your quarterback time, it doesn't matter who your wide receivers are. Yep. You're going to struggle. Yep. Achan looked great in the running back position. Miami has a very solid running game. But I after have. But you know what? After him, look at the drop. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, one carry, 14 yards. Braxton Berrios, one carry, 11 yards. Raheem Moster, uh, seven carries, nine yards. And Tua, two carries for seven yards. And like I say, in a chain's longest run, 55 yards. So 55 of uh, 101. Yeah. The rest of his yards, he didn't really do anything. Yeah. So put that in perspective because the Bills have an awful run defense. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from it. <laughs> Case in point, the New England game that they had a couple of years ago where we didn't throw the fucking ball maybe twice. Yeah, exactly. Their running game is awful. Or, I mean, the running defense is yeah. awful. Yeah, it is. So the fact that you let Josh Allen – Go completely crazy, throwing the ball all over the field, 21 for 25, 320, and four touchdown passes, let alone he ran one in. Dude looking like he's playing the arcade version of NFL Blitz. Mm -hmm. How Stefan Diggs had 120 yards on your defense and three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Well, in in that one touchdown he had... I think it was right before halftime mm-hmm. where he had two guys on him. Yeah. Like one had him in the, in the middle. We got the replay right now. Yeah. One guy had him in the middle. One guy had him at the legs and he still made it through there. Like he's fucking Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Miami. I'm not going to say overrated, but for everybody that was saying that punched their ticket to the Super Bowl, I'd hold off. I don't think they're overrated. Right. I, th- I think they're properly rated. They're very good. They're very good. They're, no, I, I'll grant you they're good. They're very good because you look at the performance they had against the Chargers and then obviously fucking the performance they had against Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think what happened is is the performance what happened against Denver, record setting and the the near perfect performance Tua had and all the numbers and all the this. I think what happened is they drank too much of their own Kool-Aid. I agree. And they they drank too much of the tea, and they got caught up in themselves a little bit too much, thinking they're the hottest shit to come down the pike since the West Coast offense, or whatever analogy you want to use. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened here. And now, I'm not going to sit here and say they got caught looking, because while well, they're facing the Giants next week, and, we'll, and you and I both agree now, the Giants are officially the worst team in the NFL. Yeah. So it's not a case that they got caught looking. No, I think it's a case of they drank their own Kool-Aid a little bit too much. They bought into the hype a little bit too much. They spent maybe a little bit too a little too much time on television watching all the pundits and, and the analysts and whatever else talking about how great that team is and how great that performance was and how historic the team is and how and all the accolades that come with it. And they went, oh, shit, we're pretty goddamn good. We're, you know, we're the best thing going. And we could score on anybody. We want to make it like the Showtime Lakers down here in Miami. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. You know, this is where the great coaches take a loss like this, use it to ground their team and bring them back down to earth, bring them out of the the upper atmosphere, the stratosphere, and go, hey, listen, are we good? Yes. But we can't sit here and go every week and say we're the hottest shit since sliced bread because look what happens. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem because Tyreek Hill was talking about the fan base. Why are we even bringing up Bill's Mafia? Yeah. Exactly. So they really got dealt – 
a devastating blow to the ego. It's a humble, uh, a little uh, slice of humble pie. Yeah, and I, I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought about the media because for everybody that was in the media that was saying Josh Allen was done after week one, mm-hmm. the Bills will you can't win, et cetera, et cetera. I was watching a lot of the media after this game, and oh my God, the Bills are the team to beat. The Josh Allen is the MVP. Lock it in. Yeah. Pump your brakes. First and foremost, if you jump ship week one, uh, media consultants, don't jump back on. Don't don't give him the MVP this week when you said he was not the guy and was overrated. And, and I'm, I'm meaning specifically, there was a few TV shows that did this. Mm-hmm. So when I caught this, I'm like, okay, I remember this. Josh, I've said it once. I will say it again, even after this game. He is this era's Brett Favre. Yeah. He looked yeah. great slinging the ball. He had no fear about it. He was a little more disciplined than we've seen him. So if this is a step in the right direction, good. But the defense gave him a lot to work with. And, yeah, did he get a little bit of home cooking too? Sure. There was a couple penalties I thought was like, oh, I don't know if that's exactly there. I'm being honest about this. No, that's fair. But – he he did what he needed to do. He looked great. And now the question mark is going to be, what do they do moving forward? Next week they're over in England playing Jacksonville, 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time. Right. And then we kind of go from here. But if the Bills play like they did this week, they are going to be very tough to beat. Yes. But Josh needs to have the same amount of discipline moving forward. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have this, they're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm also kind of worried that they're going to overlook Jacksonville because they're now listening to what everybody's saying in the media today. That's one thing that worries me, that McDermott needs to have this team very humbled and very focused on Jacksonville going forward because I could understand if they feel that, oh, well, you know, we came back and we won, and, and they do have a good stretch of games ahead of them with Jacksonville, then the Giants at home, they go to New England, Tampa Bay, the Bengals, the Broncos, and then things get dicey going into the latter half of the season after that. Right. So if they can stay humble, learn from this game, and really implement that moving forward, they'll be fine. If Josh starts getting a little crazy, especially for wanting to put on a show, then it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens here. But a good win, but don't crown him yet. In fact, the MVP is Christian McCaffrey. Hashtag ODPH pod. Facts. No, no, no doubt in my mind about that. Whew, a lot of football to discuss. So definitely want to keep that conversation rolling. His up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPH pod. What is your thoughts about week four of the NFL? How is our locks and leaps? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale of Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Man, I don't know why I got so wound up like that. <laughs> we'll just roll with it because we're talking wrestling. Hell yeah. And we have a lot to talk about in the land of WWE because there is a big show coming on this weekend as we're going to be discussing the preview for. But there was also an equally big show yeah. this past weekend yeah. that we definitely need to recap. So let's do it, Pat. Yeah, so taking place this past Saturday at the Mechanics Bank Arena in Bakersfield, California was NXT No Mercy. 
Uh, I got to say, kudos to whoever came up with a little intro when the pay-per-view Amazing. started. Oh, my God. The recreation of the No Mercy video game intro. Absolutely loved oh, it. Loved it. Uh, but breaking down the card, uh, we had one match on the pre-show, uh, which was a singles matchup where Blair Davenport defeated Kalani Jordan uh, via pinfall in six minutes and 38 seconds. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to catch this match. Heard uh, heard it was pretty good for oh, you know, yeah. the opening card. Yeah, it was opening. It was a you know pre show match. I caught it. Well, nothing special. It was a good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first match you had to open the card was uh, Baron Corbin defeated Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker via pinfall in nine minutes and thirty three seconds. You know this is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin was a face here. Yeah, he was. And and it, the match time was nine thirty three. They fought for maybe about fifteen minutes total mm-hmm. uh, because you add on you add on another six minutes because when Breaker came out first, looking like something out of a video game with that wolf's head he had on. Yeah, and then Corbin came out trying to do his uh, bum ass uh, Undertaker impression. Yeah, or or I'd like to think he was channeling a little bit of uh, Nicolas Cage. Yep, a skull's uh, on fire. A skull's on fire. He was looking like a little bit of. Uh, uh, Ghost Rider, you know, they started brawling outside of the ring before the damn match even started. Yeah, this is a little crazy. I would say it was a fun match for what it was. Surprised Baron Corbin won. Very surprised at that. Because I figured Braun Breaker would beat the shit out of Baron Corbin. You know, the thing about Braun Breaker, which, I mean, this is crazy to think about now, but since they turned him heel and he mm-hmm. lost the title, I'm not saying, like, he he's struggling to connect, but it's like... He's, something's off something just is, yeah. is is off like when we're watching on tv it's like i don't know I, I can't put my finger on it just exactly yeah but it seems like he needs a little bit of retooling with somebody I, yeah. I i don't know how i don't know what but the fact that corbin got the win the crowd was hot about this match yeah they were the entire time yeah they were is huge and i think for him especially going down to nxt and we said when you get the opportunity, you got to run with it, whatever you yeah, can. Yeah, I think he ran with it. I thought he looked, he looked great in this. To me, the match was good, but I feel like they fumbled. Because I agree with you, I feel like Braun's kind of disconnected a little bit from the crowd. Yeah. Just and I felt like they reconnected a little bit with it when Braun went and smashed the one dude's head in. You know, I was like, holy, fu-, you know, thinking that actually legitimately did it. And I was like, oh, this could be very interesting to see where they go with this. Mm-hmm. And then they let it into Baron Corbin came out the next week and couldn't believe what he did. And, and oh, my God, it was awesome. I'm like, really? This is the angle you're going with? Like, I, I felt like it was a uh, wrong turn taken with this for me personally. If you mm-hmm. if you enjoyed it, more power to you. Just, you know, it, it was interesting. And, like, it's not the direction I would have gone, but, hey, I'm not the booker. Exactly. Uh, next up was a singles match for the NXT North American Championship uh, with Dragon Lee serving as special guest referee. Uh, but you had Trick Williams defeat Dirty Dominic Mysterio to become your new uh, NXT North American Champion in 9 minutes and 28 seconds. If you're not on board with Trick Williams yet, Oof. you need to be. This match was real good. Oh, this this match was more than I thought it was going to be. Uh huh. I have been very vocal about Dominic Mysterio's in ring work, and I will say this: his time in NXT, he's vastly improved. Yes, he has, and he's he's putting it together. So I'm eating my words. Dominic's on the right track, uh-huh. and Trick Williams is now emerging out of the shadow of Carmelo Hayes. Yep. And that if you just watch that crowd reaction when he won, uh-huh. that's all you needed to see. Uh-huh. Like I say, this was great. I know they're going to run it back on NXT this week. Yep. Uh, I'm interested to see how this plays out. If Dom is done with NXT, like I, I personally, I'd love to see him do double duty. I really do. I do. I, I, I would I, too. I think he's getting he's getting a lot better. 
But if not, and this helps trick and whatever's going to happen moving forward, like, listen, I'm here for it. I wouldn't doubt, though, that maybe Dragon Lee does something here, though. Mm-hmm. To set up a feud with him and Trick. So what I think is going to happen is we're going to we obviously as you said we're going to have the rematch uh, Tuesday on NXT, mm-hmm. and we and flash forward a little bit on Monday Night Raw. Rhea Ripley basically said, "Hey, get the shit together or else." Yeah, you know. So obviously that meant Dom, you got to win this title back. Now I don't think Finn's going to show up, and I don't think Damian Priest is going to show up, and I maybe Rhea will show up. I don't know. Um, I think I think it'd be a bigger statement if she doesn't like hey i'm losing faith in you type of deal Mm -hmm. what i think is going to happen though is is jd mcdonough could show up and that i think trick williams will win but he'll fight off whatever sort of you know interference judgment day sends in to try it because obviously you look at what happened you know in the weeks leading up to this where he's facing guys and defending the belt and they interfere he retained them all Mm -hmm. the one time they don't show nobody shows up because Rhea was quote-unquote injured you know and and damian and finn no showed him for whatever reason it was they, they weren't there he lost. Yeah. So by logic, it's like, shit, we got to get our stuff together. We got to go help our guy out. I think Trick will be able to fend it off, retain the belt. It elevates him because, hey, he took out one of the biggest factions on in, in WWE right now, and he would have had a great match. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, next up was a fatal four-way tag team matchup for the NXT uh, Tag Team Championships. Uh, and you had uh, The Family with Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo uh, emerge victorious. Uh, the other three teams in this were the Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, uh, the Creed brothers with Ivy Nile in their corner, uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. Uh, and then you also had uh, Brock Onima and Lucian Price uh, with Scripps in their corner. Uh, great match. Uh, the four-way suplex, whatever the fuck that thing was they did in the middle. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, they did a phenomenal job with this. Yep. Tony D'Angelo. What can you say? I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm now won over by him mm-hmm. and and the whole family. Uh-huh. Like, like, they do some some impact wrestling storylines here, and I'm, yeah. like, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Like, granted, how he got out of jail was based on a match. I mean, reasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine yeah. with this. Yeah. And you know what? This was a great showcase of their tag team division, uh, which, I mean, we always remember with the NXT 1.0, the black and gold brand. Yep, yep. Had one of the best tag team divisions of all time. Yes, they did. Now, am I saying this is like that? No, but they've it's taken steps. They've taken steps in the right directions. The Creed brothers are amazing. Creed brothers are freaks of nature. Case in point, Julius Creed today. Yeah. Holy fuck. There's a video of him lifting weights. He's he's yeah he's doing a lift of some sort with Ivy Nile doing a handstand on top of a said bar with weight, and he lifts it plus her. Yeah. It's oh my ri- god. It's ridiculous. Go out go out of your way to find it online. I mean, Pad might retweet it after the show here too. But like I say, they look great. Uh, Garza and Carrillo. Yeah. You know, they got in the match. Like, I, I don't know what the new gimmick is exactly, but I'm here to see them on TV. They they're, they can go in the ring. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like I say, uh, OTM, first time I caught them, they look great too. Like I yeah. said, there's a lot of a promise to be had here, and especially for NXT, which is the developmental brand. Mm-hmm. This is a fun match, and this really sets the storyline going. And like I say, anytime you can kind of pull off a little impact magic, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, next up was a British round rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup, where you had Noam Dar uh, defeat Butch and retain the NXT Heritage Cup. Two matches to one, although it went on for about seven or eight more rounds. Yeah. And uh, won it in 15 minutes and 54 seconds. For me, this was the weakest card of the entire uh, show. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the rounds match, it's just not connecting with me. M- same with me. Like, it's nothing against Noam Dar, nothing against Butch. I like the both of them as wrestlers. Just for whatever reason, I don't 
like the start and stop approach when it comes to wrestling. I'm fine with it in boxing. I'm fine with it in mixed martial arts, UFC, you know, kickboxing, like whatever else you want to do it. But just for wrestling, it just I, it just takes me out of it because it's start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. You know, you get to the end of you watch a, a three, five minute round and oh, if nobody submitted or nobody pinned Mulligan, we're just going to keep going. Like, I, I just don't like it. No, it's it's definitely not connected with me. I thought the in-ring work was fine. Yeah. Uh, Noam Dart, like I say, since he's returned to NXT, he's looked great. Yeah. So big win there. Uh, next up was a singles match for the NXT Championship, and you had uh, Ilya, Ilya Dragunov defeat Carmelo Hayes via pinfall in 21 minutes and four seconds to become your new NXT champion. Match of the year candidate. Oh, my God, yeah. Easily. Didn't see this coming. You know, it was really up in the air what they wanted to do here because mm-hmm. Carmelo Hayes is very over Dragunov like since he's been in NXT and uh, not NXT UK like I think mm-hmm. he's been somebody that's been on the cusp of winning uh, yeah. the gold yeah and we thought maybe if he didn't win he'd go up to the main roster because obviously somebody's yeah. got the belt off Gunther yeah and that would I need to see that match on a bigger stage I do I too need, I need it on a bigger one like I've said it's it's got to happen yes um but this is what makes the you know the dichotomy of what they have right now in NXT great mm-hmm. because we honestly didn't know Carmelo Hayes has been rumored to go up to the main roster as well too. Right. So whoever was losing this, I feel was going up, and it, it looks like all signs are pointing to Melo is going to the main roster. Yeah, that's a big win for whoever brand he lands on, and for Dragunov, I mean, this does open up a lot of challenges he can do in NXT. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of wide open. Like I don't know if there's anybody that's a certain number one contender right now. Yeah, no, they'll probably do something this week, either this week or next week on NXT for that. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that you have somebody emerge, maybe a Joe yeah. Gacy. Well, huh. yeah, I was say funny you mentioned Joe Gacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because during said show, uh, there was a little backstage. Even though he did not wrestle, there was a backstage segment with him and Ava, mm-hmm. uh, where basically Ava's like, "Hey, listen, it's okay. It's not your fault." He's like, "No, you can do better without me. Leave." Yeah. So it sounds like he's going back out on his own. Yeah. So like I said, if they wanted to do something with that as an opening program. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I am too. Um, I could also see maybe Braun Breaker. I could see, I could even see Baron Corbin. I mean, depending on what they want to do, there's a lot of options. And that's the fun thing about NXT. And I yeah. think that with Mello going up to the main roster, as I, I'm fully thinking he's going to, I think that that's going to definitely give somebody an opportunity to really advance on the card. And I think that he's, I, whoever's going to be doing it, I think could definitely make a lot of waves. I like it's, it, it could be a Dragon Lee. It could yeah. be, it, it, you know, it could yeah. be Trick Williams. Like he's, he might say, like, I got to go finish what. Mellow started. I expect Carmella to have just a little bit more time on NXT because typically when you go from NXT to the main roster, a lot of guys have had the belt of and girls have had the belt of some sort, and then they've lost the belt and they've had at least one more chance to try and get it back. Mm-hmm. They don't do it, and that's when we see them go up to main roster. So I expect that's what to happen here. Wouldn't be surprised if we see him uh, on the main roster for Survivor Series, maybe featured in the five on five team, whatever they end up doing, whoever they end up doing it with. You know, it could be uh, hey, we need another guy to fill this out, but we can't find anybody. Everyone like because it could be whoever the other team is is beating the shit out of every oppor- every possible uh, uh, teammate they could do. Mm-hmm. They they could team up with, and then it's like hey. Heard you guys need a uh, little help. I'd like to volunteer my services. Yeah. Uh, I did think Carmelo was going to win this matchup, though, until he went to do his entrance, and he was doing the monologue over the speakers, and he started throwing up the uh, jerseys in the rafters, so to speak, on the mm. t- on the uh, old Titantron, because he started throwing up the jerseys to the guys he's beaten, and I'm like, ooh, I think we're telegraphing. He might lose here. Yeah, I was I was fearing that. You're but, getting a little cocky. But you know what? Fantastic match, top to bottom. Yeah, uh, and then our main event was an extreme rules match for the NXT Women's Championship, and you had Becky Lynch defend her belt against Tiffany Stratton, winning 
winning via pinfall in 20 minutes and 19 seconds. Tiffany Stratton, superstar. Oh, my God. No question about this. Uh, fantastic match. Great match. You know what? Honestly, they really brought out the extreme rules portion for this. Holy shit, yeah. Both did not hold anything back. I know Becky got a nasty cut on her left arm, I believe, 11 stitches, if I read correctly. Yes, and it was bad enough that she was not medically cleared uh, for the uh, title match she was supposed to have had with Tegan Knox on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany Stratton, to her credit, survived a couple of very nasty bumps. Yeah. Uh, one involved in the shopping cart, which I thought she, yeah. I, le- I legit thought she broke her neck. Oh, I did too. Well, and then you got to remember too, she also t- did the four successive uh, swantons. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, two of them, at least two of them to outside the ring. I think the third one was into the ring on or near the chairs. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, ew, yikes. But like I say, they really went out of their way to try stealing the show, and they it depends. Like I say, between that and the Dragonoff matches, I mean, that's the two best on the night. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying this was the best match of the night because, like I said, oh, yeah. this, this is a yeah. match of the year candidate too. Tiffany Stratton was definitely up for the challenge. Like I say, a lot of crazy spots, especially the Swanton that when the table did not break, mm-hmm. like they still kept going and they were very protective of each other too. Like I say, you could definitely tell in the ring. <laughs> that table was going to give them fits all night because when Braun Breaker was facing Baron Corbin, Braun went to throw Baron through the table, the, mm-hmm. the announce table and it, and it didn't break. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it was wild to see, but like I say, for all the crazy stuff they did, everybody came out more or less unscathed. Yeah. Except for Becky. There was nothing you could do about that. Cut. No, accidents happened, but no, top to bottom, great card. Like I said, just the one match I didn't really enjoy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think NXT has been put on some solid work. If this is a step back to the, the brand one days, mm-hmm. by all means, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and then we got to talk about the card that's taking place this Saturday from the uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. It is... Uh, uh, fast lane. Uh, so we're going to break down some of the matches they've announced, although I'd expect them to announce one more based on the way things have gone this week. I'm with you. Uh, I'll get to that one uh, once we're done previewing the ones we know. But the matchups we do know is in a tag team match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships, you've got the Judgment Day in Finn Balor and Damian Priest defending their belts against Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. Interesting match to make, but you know this is this feels like a plug and play. Uh huh. So I'm not mad about it. Main event Jey Uso is now on the main roster mm-hmm. or the, the Raw roster, I should say. Yep. And obviously his storyline is uh, Cody is the one who brought him there to kind of make amends for the Bloodline storyline. Mm-hmm. So them getting a title shot, I thought was a little interesting out of the gate, but I get it, and I fully think that Drew McIntyre is going to interfere and cost them. I, I anticipate the same thing, too, although I hope this doesn't ruin uh, Jay's Thanksgiving plans. Brandy has extended to him. Yes. Because uh, Brandy did invite Jay Uso to Thanksgiving. Uh, no, I, I expect the Judgment Day to return to the uh, retain this just because of a uh, certain team who reunited on Monday Night Raw. Yes. Uh, I think they're going to be the ones to take the belts off of Please. Uh, Finn and Damien. DIY. Next up is a six man tag team match where you've got the Latino World Order with Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, and then either Joaquin Wilde or Cruz del Toro, uh, with obviously Zelina Vega in their corner, taking on Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits. So that being Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Interesting storyline here. Uh huh. Santos Escobar has been really stepping into the role of wanting to step out of Ray's, you know, quote unquote shadow, if you will, 
and be the champion and the the true leader yep. of the LWO. Yep. And they've been planting those seeds very, very nicely. They're very subtly. Like, yeah, so you really have to pay attention, but they've been doing it, and mm-hmm. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see them in this matchup, it also kind of reflects what they're doing with Bobby Lashley setting up his faction. Yeah. And obviously he's been very critical of the Street Profits and saying about how they need to be more serious, they need to send more of a message. Yep. And this is going to be a really fun match. I do say Team Lashley wins. Yeah, um, I agree. I think because Escobar is going to cost Ray. In some capacity. Yeah, yeah. It, it might be an accident. Yeah, he might have him distracted. He might have him, you know, tied up, not literally, but like, oh, he's talking to him, you know, trying to get back on the same page while whoever is the, whoever is the third person, you know, Joaquin Wilder, Cruz, Del Toro. Is in there eating. I th- I th- I don't think Ray or Santos is going to eat the pin here. Mm-hmm. I think it's whoever the third person is in the team is going to eat the pin because uh, Ray and Santos are going to come to you know I don't want to say blows but they're going to come to a disagreement during the match. I agree fully. Uh, next up is a triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship uh, with Io Sky defending her belt against Oscar and Charlotte Flair. This is going to be a great match. Should be. Um, Io Sky. Has been on a tear, obviously winning the title. Has been put on some great matches. Oscar and Charlotte, that's always a solid match, no matter how you want to. Very formidable. Book them, yeah. So this one, honestly, could go literally any way. Uh-huh. I'm going to say Sky wins. Okay. But I don't doubt that Bailey does something to cost her. Well, didn't Bailey, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a week, so a long week. Um isn't Bailey the whole reason this is a triple threat? I believe so. It wasn't like there was. I'm fuzzy on the details because it's been a while, a couple of days since I've seen the, the footage. But like there was a whole thing going on with with SmackDown and and arguing back and forth, and and Bailey agreed to make it a triple threat for EO Sky. Yeah. So I I do, I think EO will retain, be, you know, but she won't be happy with. Bailey and we might start to see the fractioning of uh, damage control. Yeah, I think I think it's time. I think the faction is really kind of run its course, so mm-hmm. I, I need to kind of start seeing it separated in some way somehow. Well, and especially with Dakota, like if Dakota were there, I think you could make it work for a little longer than you did. But Dakota not being there and being out for I don't know how many more months, mm-hmm. you know, she's not she's not imminently coming back in the next week or so. Yeah, so if she's going to be out for a little while. Like you, there's only so much you can do. With Bailey and Eo Sky by themselves, if Dakota's there, you get, you got a little bit more leg room. I'm not saying another year's length out of this, but you get another couple months out of this. Yeah. But with just the two of them being there, it's it's kind of tying their it's hands. It's tough. Off. Yeah, it's tying their hands. Yeah. Uh, next up is a tag team matchup between the Bloodline with Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Obviously, Paul Heyman will be in their corner, taking on the team of John Cena, the Goat, as they're calling him these days, and L. A. Knight. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I'm kind of surprised this is not the main event. If we're if we're taking bets, well, I mean, we know the old WWE. If if this were you know another federation, AEW, Impact, New Japan, I could see this being the main event. But this is WWE, and you know how they like to feature a title belt as the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only thing that kind of throws me off of this because obviously Bloodline, love it or hate it, the biggest storyline going on in WWE. Yep. And now with Jimmy Uso filling in for Roman as the quote-unquote new head of the table, at least in his mind, mm-hmm. uh, this provided some really interesting dynamics. Uh, him and Solo reteaming and and carrying on Roman's uh, reign of terror, if you will, has been an interesting take. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, as Paul Heyman has referred to many months ago, we were just in the third inning. Yeah. So there's a lot more storyline to be told here. 
So having John Cena fill in, it gives us a lot of star power. And for LA Knight, huge opportunity. Oh, my God. Huge. So I fully think that Cena and LA Knight are going to win. I do, too. Uh, And I think this is going to set up possibly, and I know how I'm wording this, and I I know I'm going to catch some online heat for this one. I fully think now we're going to have LA Knight versus Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Could be. I think LA Knight is going to lose, but I think that now you're setting enough seeds in motion that that could happen. Assuming they don't do like they've done in the past where it's brand supremacy and it's, you know, title versus title, you know, so it would be, depending on how our main event goes, it'd be Seth Rollins or whoever holds the heavyweight championship versus Roman. Assuming they don't do that, I could see it, you know, but it, but it all depends on what their plans are because... In the past, it's been, you know, five Raw versus five SmackDown, mm-hmm. U.S. versus IC, and then it, it was then the Universal Champion versus the WWE Champion. Well, now it's uh, the Undisputed Champion versus the Heavyweight Champion, if they go that way. If they don't, I could easily see L.A. Knight. Yeah, that's going to be the big question mark moving forward with this, is, and especially, too, if NXT's in the mix. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of areas yeah. that we have not yeah. gotten a clear path to. Yeah. So it all depends. Like, I'm not saying... It's going to happen, but I would not doubt it. I mean, the fact that LA Knight has now been injected into the storyline right. speaks a lot of volumes, and it also says that they want to have, at some point, LA Knight versus Roman. Now, yeah. am I saying he's going to take the belt off him? No. I'm going to say, as of right now, LA Knight is not winning the world title off no. of Roman. No, not off Roman. But maybe after yeah. whoever takes the belt, Cody Rhodes, that could be a feud that you set up. Yeah. So a lot of things that can fall off from there, but I think this is the start of something. I do too. Uh, And then obviously, as I alluded to, our main event is a last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship with Seth freaking Rollins defending his belt against Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, this has been an interesting feud. Uh I love seeing Shinsuke involved in this, and I think this has really elevated his stock with WWE um, because obviously his history with New Japan Pro Wrestling, like he's a superstar. And I know that he's kind of gone in this kind of up and downs a little bit uh-huh. with WWE. Uh-huh. But getting him in this kind of match, last man standing, I really, really think we're going to have an end new by the end of the night. I'm I, thinking the same thing. It has to yeah. happen. Just because with as much as they've been selling up the Seth Rollins back injury, mm-hmm. which I'm going to take them at their word for it, but just because we haven't, as I've said before, we haven't heard anything one way or the other if it's true or not. So until otherwise, I got to take him at their word for it. You know, so Seth Rollins, in their words, is back is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. You know, and, and Michael Cole alluded to this on Monday Night Raw where he's like, listen, Seth, do you under, and I'm paraphrasing, do you understand what you've done that like your back that's hanging on by a thread and you're going to get beaten, you know, and, and you're in a last man standing match where the whole goal is to beat your opponent until they cannot physically stand to answer a count of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we saw what happened on Monday where Shinsuke was targeting the back. You know, he's already going after the back, and he's been targeting the back the whole time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see an and new. I don't think we I, I don't think we will, mm-hmm. just because I think they're setting up. I personally think for Survivor Series, it it's going to end up being Seth versus Roman non-title match. I'd love to see it because then you can kind of create a storyline if you want to there. I don't know. I mean, there's just so many different ways to go with it. But there fast, is. But Fastlane is going to give us a little tip-off. Just with everything going to Survivor Series. And, and I mean, we'll get into that as the month or weeks start progressing there. But Survivor Series could be a legendary one for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. 
But we have to go through Fastlane to get there first. We do. I mean, what a weekend for WWE. Yeah. So there's a lot to discuss there. Definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about NXT No Mercy? What's your thoughts about WWE Fastlane coming up this week? And for even more pro wrestling talk, make sure you're checking out the latest edition of 607 TWS on your favorite podcast provider. But more importantly right now, go check out and hit that subscribe button for Nerd Initiatives YouTube and make sure Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you are tuned in to Wrestling Night Live. We're Rich from the 3FN Podcast, myself, and a bunch of others from the Nerd Initiative Wrestling team are going to be on there talking the latest and greatest in wrestling. So you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to that and uh, keep your ears out because there's going to be a lot more things coming as well. So hit us up and let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about, first of which is obviously local minute. We got to recap the end of the Binghamton Rumble Pony season uh, because they did lose to the Erie Seawolves in the Eastern League Championship. Uh, they were shut out by the Erie Seawolves 10 to nothing in the second game of the Eastern League Championship Series last week. Uh, so that, that was a best of three game series. So Erie won the whole thing. But hey, kudos to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies for at least making it to the championship. Uh, probably weren't very uh, good odds on them to make it there so the fact they made it there anyway is uh, kudos to them absolutely uh so hey sh- good things to improve on for next season because uh, it'll be right here but it'll be here before you know it speaking of being here before you know it the binghamton black bear season does start here very shortly uh, technically supposed to start uh this up uh, friday next week uh friday october 13th they are supposed to be on the road against the elmira river sharks however that game has been postponed uh because the ice machine at their field house or their venue where they play games isn't quite ready yet uh so the game has been postponed to a later date hmm. so they will now open their red season at home saturday october 14th 7 o'clock p.m eastern uh so definitely go check that out i know they set an attendance record for the federal prospects hockey league last season and they're looking to break that record this year uh, so for more information tickets and all that good stuff go to binghamtonblackbears.com i gotta talk some baseball because well i'm gonna give you a little preview of the uh major league baseball uh postseason which is starting here today as we record but we of course it's the uh, regular season has ended so we do have some managerial changes uh so first of which is over in anaheim or los angeles if you want to get technical with it uh phil nevin will not return as manager of the los angeles angels the team announced on monday uh reading from an article on espn.com uh, it says, quote, the move comes a day after the club finished the season at 73 and 89. The Angels didn't schedule an end of season news conference with general manager Perry uh, Minijan immediately after the season finale, raising questions about his future after three unsuccessful years in charge. Close quote. Uh, I also did see this is like the eighth season in a row or something like that. Six or eight seasons in a row. Uh, the Angels have finished below 500. Uh, so when you have two of the best players on the planet, that is very unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, over here uh, on the East Coast, you have uh, the uh, New York Mets moving on from Buck Showalter. He has been fired. Uh, reading from an article on CBS.com, it says, quote, Reigning National League Manager of the Year Buck Showalter will not return to the New York Mets next season, he told reporters prior to Sunday's season finale. He managed the team's final game, uh, where the Phillies won 9-1. to The Mets are set to introduce new president of baseball operations, David Stearns, on Monday, and Stearns will apparently bring in his own manager, 
uh, close quote. So again, not really surprising when you've got the largest payroll uh, in Major League Baseball this year. You kind of expected to win, and Steve Cohen wants to make some changes, and uh, things are going in a different direction. Yeah, nothing surprising there. I mean, when you have payrolls like that and players mm-hmm. on, on the roster that uh, unfortunately things happen and yeah. you don't get to where you need to be in the playoffs. Yeah. You got to make some changes, especially in yep. the New York media. There's oh, no yeah. question about that. Uh, and then back out West, you have the San Francisco giants have relieved Gabe Kapler of his duties. Uh, this was before the final series of the season. Uh, the team announced, uh, you know, so Gabe, uh, the giant San Francisco giants will be, uh, Looking for a new manager. His dismissal marks the end of a four-year tenure that had everything from a franchise best 107 win campaign a couple of years ago. Uh, he earned Matt National League Manager of the Year honors. Uh, then uh, straight consecutive disappointing seasons near the 500 mark. It's all about what you've done for me lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, but you know, like when you're in a, when you're in a true baseball town, mm-hmm. you know, you think Boston, Chicago, yep. New York. Yep you're going to have that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. And if you don't win, unfortunately, you're going to hear it. Uh, and then we've got to talk about our Yankees because it has been reported by SNY insider Andy Martino that Aaron Boone is expected to return as Yankees manager in 2024. Not entirely surprised by no. this one. I mean, it was kind of announced a couple months ago, like a month or two ago, that this was going to happen and that for it to happen, uh, Steinbrenner was going to have to override Cashman on this, which has never happened before. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I kind of expected this. And, and also, like, is it the most popular choice? No, but he knows the team. He knows the players. The players like him, you know, and, and just you look at the prospects out there of like, is there somebody out there who you look at and go, yeah, I like his work and I like what he brings to the table more than what Aaron Boone does. There's really nobody out there that I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. He's the guy that can really bring in bring in some change here, shake things up, and get him over the hump and, and get him into the postseason, get him to a World Series. I, it's, it's the person you know over the person you don't, and I like the person I know in this instance. You know, the situation here is, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Who else could you bring in? Showalter? I mean, that would be something. Yeah. I mean, he he has co- or, you know managed the Yankees in the past. Uh, but in this situation, a lot of it has to do with the injuries they had. So mm-hmm. I understand giving him a pass about it. I do. Yeah. No, I do. But he's got to have some instant results this year. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, for next year, they had got to, They have to come out of the gate hot. Uh-huh. They cannot have the typical slow start of April. Christ, yeah. They need to be in first place by the end of the month. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. The, yeah, This is the standard they need to do. If they don't, I don't doubt him getting fired by All-Star Game. Oh, I wouldn't either. I'm just saying, like, he. Is, this is now the ultimate chance for him. But he does need help at pitching. Oh, my God. So this offseason, that's what they need to figure out. Pitching, yeah. And they need to address it. Yeah, no, and and fire the entire fucking uh, training Yeah, absolutely. That's the the whole medical Regis. The the medical crew. Good God. Uh, And one more piece before we get to the postseason here. we got to give our kudos and our send-off to Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, who enjoyed a very lengthy career, 20 seasons in the Major League Baseball, playing for the Florida Marlins from 2003 to 2007, and then the Detroit Tigers from 2008 to 2023. Three, uh, Miguel Cabrera in those 20 seasons collected 3,174 hits, 511 home runs, a career batting average of 306, uh, 1,881 runs batted, and he even got 40 stolen bases over his career. So definitely uh, kudos to him. But uh, just reading from some of the accolades he had, he was a 12-time All-Star World Series champion in 2003 with the Florida Marlins, two-time AL American League MVP in 2012 and 2013, won the American League Triple Crown in 2012, and in fact was the first person national league or american league to win the triple crown since carl yastrzemski did it for boston in 19 wow. in 1967 
So that's why he won MVP that year. Uh, he was also a seven-time Silver Slug Award winner, a two-time American League Hank Aaron Award winner, four-time American League batting champion, two-time American League home run leader, and a two-time American League runs batted in leader. Kudos to you, Miguel. Hell of a career. Uh, enjoyed seeing you play, you know, over the years. And uh, I know he's going to be in the Detroit front office uh, as a special advisor to the general manager. Yeah. So, hey, good for him. It was cool to see him uh, get one more out at first base in his final game. They gave him a mitt because uh, he didn't have one. And he went, and of course, you go to you go out to play a position you don't normally play. You haven't played that often. What happens? Ball goes your way. Fielded it like he never left. Should have been a Yankee. <laughs> I'll stand with that. But, you know, great career, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah, no absolutely. Doubt, no question about absolutely. that. And then we got to talk the Major League Baseball postseason, which kicks off today as we record. Uh, so we're going through the brackets here real quickly. Over in the American League and the wildcard division, you've got the uh, Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Minnesota Twins. The winner of that series will take on the Houston Astros in the American League division series. Then in the other wildcard matchup, you've got the Texas Rangers taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. The winner of that will go on to face the Baltimore Orioles in the American League division series over in the national league side you've got the arizona diamondbacks taking on the milwaukee brewers the winner of that series will take on the la dodgers in the set in the uh, division series then you've got the miami marlins taking on the philadelphia phillies who will then go on to play the uh, atlanta braves in the national league division series a couple of games have already gone on today as we record so just give me a quick refresh here uh, so as we currently record the uh Minnesota Twins are up 3-1 to one on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. That is in the bottom of the eighth inning, so looking like the Twins might pull off game one. Fun fact, Minnesota Twins have not won a uh, postseason since 2004 uh, when they did not face the New York Yankees in the postseason. Every other time they faced the New York Yankees in the postseason, they lost. Mm. Uh, fun, fun fact, if you flip every game... Every team in Major League Baseball lost by one run, so they lost by one, and then they would have won by one. Yankees would have finished in second place and would have been facing the Minnesota Twins in the first round. Fun facts. Uh, over in the National League side, the Diamondbacks and Brewers are getting ready to start here uh, very shortly, and then you've got the Miami Marlins and Phillies have yet to play. Uh, the temp, the Texas Rangers did, however, beat the Tampa Bay Rays four four to nothing in Game One, so they lead the series uh, best of three game series uh, one to nothing. Uh, four errors from the Tampa Bay Rays though today. Yo, yikes! Uh, that's not something you like to see. Go Orioles, go Phillies. I'm gonna say go or yeah, go or go Orioles, and then on the other side, anybody but the Dodgers. Yeah, but I'm I'm fine with Atlanta. I'm fine with Arizona. I'm, I'm over the whole 2001 thing. It's been it's been 22 years. I'm over that. Milwaukee'd be cool. Miami, it'd be nice. Philly, I wouldn't mind. Hey, I wouldn't mind seeing Philly one. You know what happened the last time Philly won the World Series? Yankees won it the following year. Exactly. Plus, they also have the, the theme, theme song last postseason, too. Yeah, they do. Which gets played. I'm they, sorry. They, yeah, it, they do. It, it catches my ear every time. Uh-huh. I hear it a lot. Uh, so let's talk about closing out a little AEW action, because if you were following Nerd Initiative YouTube, and we always say, make sure to drop that subscribe, you heard the Wrestling Night Live post-show recap of AEW Wrestle Dream, their pay-per-view event that happened this past weekend in Seattle. And very, very fun card, a lot of good matches, um, but let's be honest, nothing really jumped out more than mm-hmm. the big reveal that we all knew was coming. Say the worst kept secret in pro wrestling right now? Correct. The Rated R Superstar, formerly known as Edge, Adam Copeland has signed with AEW, so after 25 years... Mm-hmm. He has left WWE. Uh, they his contract ran out. They could not come to terms on a new deal. Yep. 
Uh, so he has made his debut with AEW, so he is going to be on their program this week for their four-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite. Listen, solid win for AEW. Yeah, um, yeah. Edge at the stage, I think, just wants to have some fun before it's officially done, and he is going to retire, retire right. uh, on his terms. Well, and it's like he said in the, in the quote-unquote letter, you know, he, he penned on Twitter. Mm. He's, he's essentially done everything in WWE that you can. Yeah. You know, tag team winner, main eventer, WrestleMania, won uh, Money in the Bank. He won the Royal Rumble. He's won the uh, main title. You know, he's he's probably won the U.S. and IC title, what, like whatever else it is. Like, there's nothing left for him to do. Yeah, you know? exactly. So unless they come up with, like, some new belt or some new gimmick match that gives him some new accolade or something that goes with, like, there's no reason for him to stick around. So I don't fault him at all, you know, for going to AW. Christian's over there, and, and it's like he said, I think, I can't remember if it was on the, the letter he wrote or in the uh, presser after the event, where, like, you just look at some of the matchups he's had where, like, Samoa Joe's over there. He's never stepped foot in the ring with Samoa Joe. He's never wrestled Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Sting's over there. He's he, Astonishingly, he's never wrestled Sting in his, in his illustrious career. You know, so, I hey, I don't fault him for that. Hey, good good for him. It's, it's a place where he's happy it's a place where he's got some fun and there can be some uh, banger matches absolutely like i say and the big thing too which i'll just end things on is if you're mad because he went to AEW and your wwe fan stop be a fan of pro wrestling it doesn't matter where they go support a wrestler if you like them if you're a fan it doesn't matter what federation they're wrestling for it doesn't matter if they're on the pay-per-view or they're working the indies be a fan. Hi, a WWE fan. Not an AEW fan here. Very well noted on this Very show. well noted. Very well noted. I'm, I'm not mad at Edge. He went to AEW. I'm happy for him. I'm just happy. I Because as I said before, you know, when we were talking CM Punk coming back and I alluded to it, I didn't get to see Edge wrestle his first go around because he retired before I started watching. Mm. I'm not mad he went to AEW. I understand he went to AEW. I'm happy for him. You know, I'm just happy... For as brief a run as it was in a couple years, you know, from what, like three years, give or take? Yeah. You know, three years, if you're going calendar date, if you go by actual date, not quite, but whatever. I'm just glad I got to see him and I can say, I can sit here and say, I got to watch Edge wrestle live on my television mm-hmm. and it wasn't a replay from pay-per-views past. Exactly. So I'm happy for that. Exactly. And that's the thing you need to be. Be a fan of the, you know, the wrestlers, wherever they're going. And don't get into the tribalism yeah. of uh, I, hashtag I'm with AEW only and hashtag WWE Universe for life only. Mm-hmm. Be fans of wrestling. Yeah. There's, there's so much good that's out there right now. Just watch it all. Be fans. Yeah. Be, be happy. Yeah. And for anything else that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Uh, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken. I'm, I second that. Always. Thanks for watching and listening to the ODPH podcast or watching on YouTube because we do post the episodes up there as well. We'll catch you next time. Gotta beat down to the punch. Gotta beat down to the punch. Cause they can't bring me.